Okay, pasa, mufasa, bom dia, buongiorno, shalom, and sawadi kap. That's hello in Thai. Because I'm in Bangkok, Thailand right now, there's thunder clapping outside. You might be able to hear it. Yes, Thailand, land of smiles, and as of this year, legal cannabis. Today on the Micropreneur Podcast, we've got one of the most prolific C-suite executives in the emergent psychedelics industry, and we're going to talk about her approach to building and running businesses as a serial entrepreneur currently helping to lead a number of high-profile projects across the psychedelic space. Everybody, please give it up for Kaya Roman. I think that all types of diversity are really important in clinical trials and in the development of these medicines because women have different hormones, we have different biology, we metabolize differently. Depending on where we are in our cycle, we're going to experience medicines in a different way. So this is the beginning of a new paradigm in medicine. Let's make sure that we are actually creating medicines that treat all of the people who we want to treat. And that means all types of diversity. As always, it's a pleasure to host this podcast for you. Please consider rating and reviewing the Mycopreneur podcast wherever you are listening. And with all that being said, let's get down to business. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, Kaya Roman, Silicon Valley-based serial entrepreneur, currently directly involved with about a million different projects in the psychedelic space, which she's going to tell us about, best-selling author, and recently named Psychedelic CEO of the Year at the Entheo Awards in a male-dominated industry, no less. Quite an accolade. How are you doing today, Kaya? It's nice to see you again. So nice to see you too, Dennis. I'm doing great. Really fun to connect with you. So we had a wonderful time in Miami connecting recently at the Canadelic conference and you were awarded psychedelic CEO of the year, which is a huge honor. You know, there's so many companies in this space. So let's start there as an entry point. First off, what does it mean to you as a serial entrepreneur and as a woman in a largely male dominated space to take this kind of top honor available? What what was that like for you? (laughs) Well, I must say it was definitely one of the peak moments of my life, um, really because, you know, the Entheo Awards are, are people vote for them. So that means some of you guys out there in our industry voted for me. And I'm just so honored to be seen that way. But, you know, between you and me, I, I have to laugh about this because I'm not actually the CEO of any psychedelic companies. I am the CEO of a marketing company and we focus on psychedelic and, and uh, cannabis brands. Um, but I think because I have been involved in several psychedelic startups and I've got like CEO energy, which, you know, maybe is kind of like BDE. Uh, I don't know. I'm proud that I'm seen that way. You know, there's only 5% of CEOs in the world are women. 19% of C-suite executives are women. So I didn't want to tell folks that I'm not a psychedelic CEO because I don't want them to take this away from me, but I'm super honored to have it on behalf of all women who are working in this industry. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. It's a wonderfully overdue recognition. And I hope that this serves as a beacon of inspiration to more women who want to step up and assume leadership roles because we need you. And Kaya's living proof of that. And you've been involved with so many projects. We just glossed over a few of them briefly right now. And I'm curious 
how do you keep things balanced? You seem like a pretty balanced person, but you know, myself, I feel like if I have like three projects commanding my attention, I start to get spread thin. What is the secret sauce for staying present, engaged, and being able to really do justice to all of these projects and help them to be successful? It feels like you're spinning plates, right? It does, it does. And I appreciate the um, feedback that I seem balanced. It's a very lovely compliment. Uh, of course, you know, the answer I think anyone will give you to, to this question is it's all about having the right teams. So, of course, I don't do any of these things by myself. I work with incredible people that help me keep all the plates spinning. Um, but I also think there's this, this concept called eustress, E-U, stress. It's a Greek word that means good, good stress. And there's like a certain level for each person. We're all unique where, it, you know, having too little stress is actually as stressful on your body as not having enough. And we each kind of have our own like peak performance zone. And for me, I think it's just really high. Like I actually perform better when I have a certain amount of things that I'm doing um, that tends to be maybe a bit more than others. <laughs> Yeah, so let's go back to your earlier days. You're based in Silicon Valley. One of the first things I heard about you was that you were working with what are now massively successful tech companies back during their infancy and during the early days. So you have a lot of experience kind of seeing companies from a seed level or from a very startup level and then seeing them all the way through to unicorns in some cases, right? Which is Silicon Valley parlance for billion dollar companies. So what do you look for in a company when you're considering getting involved with one? Because I'm sure that you've been approached by a numerous people people ask me this question a lot and I don't have nearly the pedigree of experience you do but like what is it about a team or about a company in that early stage that gets you excited and makes you want to either invest in or advise them yeah thanks for asking that I, I seem to be like addicted to the startup mentality and that it's a it's a unique kind of energy I think it takes a unique kind of person to want to be in that world um, and I've just been doing it for such a long time because it's so exciting to build something from the ground up but what I look for before I get involved with a startup really of course is the team so you know you can have the best idea ever but if you don't have the right people to execute on it it's not going anywhere. Um, it usually takes a very strong leader who is dedicated to this with their life because when it's a startup, you're not doing it for the paycheck. You're doing it for the mission. There has to be a drive. And then, of course, the skill set and, you know, the actual knowledge and, and skills to execute. So, you know, we need a team that has all the right pieces in place in a startup level. Uh, that's like, an, you know, good leader, somebody who's managing the finances cleverly and, and then a unique idea. I mean, the, the whole point, especially, let's say, in the psychedelic industry right now, now, which is a super exciting time because there's so many potential businesses that we can support and start um, is just, are you filling a need? How are you helping people? You know, at this point in my career, I'm not interested in something that isn't mission-based and really helping people. So how are you helping and do you actually have the skills to execute on it? You know, one of the collaborators you have that you introduced me to is Zappi Zappelin, who's a very well-known figure, very eccentric, charismatic figure in this space. I'd be curious <laughs> here, how did you first get to know Zappi and what are some of the projects you're working on together with him? Okay, well, 
I first got to know Zappy because he came to one of my lectures. Uh, I wrote a book called The Joy Plan about the neuroscience of joy that came out in 2017. Um, it became a bestseller. It was um, featured on the Today Show for a whole week while the anchors followed my program. And then I was, you know, giving lectures and book signings and, and things around the country for a while. Uh, Zappy came to one of my lectures to interview me. And, you know, as he likes to do, he gave me the pitch on psychedelics. Well, at that point, I had already had a psychedelic experience. I, I hadn't when I wrote my book. If I, if I had, my book would have been pretty different. Um, but he gave me the strong pitch on ketamine, which, uh, you know, Zappi's a, a huge advocate of ketamine treatments. So I was intrigued. Um, he pitched me on a, a business idea, and I was intrigued. Um, and, but I had to try it myself. So I went through some ketamine treatments myself and, and then I was on board and then Zappy and I collaborated. The first project we collaborated on was uh, KetaMD, which is an at-home telemedicine platform for ketamine treatments, um, recently acquired by Braxia Scientific. And then uh, we got into doing some documentary film making together as well. I ended up coming in um, as a post-production uh, producer for the Lamar Odom documentary, which is amazing and, and had the opportunity to work with Lamar Odom, uh, supporting him through his ketamine treatments. Uh, we're, Zappy and I are working on another film about uh, frequency medicine and frequency technologies that's really exciting. And we are also working together on Psychoceutical, which is a super interesting company I'd love to have a chance to tell you about as well. Well, let's dive into that right now because I've seen the company name. We've briefly discussed it in person, but for the benefit of the audience and for my own edification, what's going on with Psychoceutical? So this company is really unique in that they have assembled a world-class team of researchers and scientists and doctors. And we've got Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank as an investor, which, you know, when I'm looking at a company and I see Kevin saying he's putting his money and his time into it, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this one's a winner. Um, but what they are doing is they have unique patented technology that is, uh, these are delivery systems. So it's not like other companies are taking different molecules and they're, you know, trying to figure out how can we, you know, do cool things with psilocybin for healing all these different conditions or how can we do things with LSD. Psychoceutical has a co-opetition model. So all the companies that are working with psychedelics can use the delivery method of how to get the psychedelics into the body and remove the side effects. Now, this is a rather controversial area. I was actually having a super uh, heated, let's say, conversation um, with some folks in the psychedelic world yesterday about, you know, whether it's appropriate at times to remove the psychedelic experience. But that is what Psychoceutical is doing with these delivery systems because basically, let me tell you about the first one. It's a cream that you place on the back of your neck at the hairline. And because of the specific way that the cream is constructed and the specific location, this is a patented delivery system of you know putting it there, it hits the receptors in the brain directly. It works directly on the brain without going through the rest of the body. So the first cream topical that uh, Psychoceutical is heading into clinical trials in Australia with is a neurodirect ketamine for treating PTSD. Now, these are people whose lives are destroyed by constant flashbacks, constant symptoms of PTSD. They're on disability. They can't work. 
but they, they can't necessarily be going into a ketamine clinic for treatments that are expensive and time consuming. With this cream, they rub it on. In a few minutes, they feel relief. They can drive, they can work, they can, you know, it can be used by children, the elderly, people who aren't necessarily going to go have a ketamine experience or some other psychedelic experience. And yet they're getting incredible benefits from it in our observational data. So to me, this is extremely exciting. Uh, this technology can be used for any psychedelic. They have other delivery technologies as well, but this is the first one they're bringing out. Um, I just think this is such an exciting time where we're able to finally research these compounds that have been like under lock and key for all these years. And just to see what's possible here. I'm a huge fan of the psychedelic experience. The psychedelic experience has saved my life, uh, especially Ibogaine. But it's not necessary for everyone just to get the brain benefits, in my opinion. So I do love what Psychoceutical is doing. Wonderful. Thanks for that primer. And of course, these days, we can't help but have these kind of terse, difficult conversations. There's a lot of different opinions, a lot of perspectives. And with something like psychedelics, they're very near and dear to a lot of people, to their cultures, their ancestry, their personal experiences. I come very much from the underground, but I also have a, a keen appreciation for experiences that help people. So I had this conversation with Joe Moore of Psychedelics Today about if, if you take the psychedelic experience out of psychedelics, if it helps someone, how can we argue against that is my personal take. Like I want to see an approach that like if it works, if it works for someone, if it helps them, great. Because agreed, I know people in my immediate family and circle of friends who don't really have an interest in having like a jarring you know, challenging psychedelic experience. And who am I to force that on them? So that's kind of my take on it as I'm very kind of middle path, open to the possibility of different different approaches for different people. And along those lines, I'd love to hear your perspective on the pharmaceuticalization of psychedelics, right? And that's another one of those kind of touch points right now that's creating some debate, some controversy. There's people who say, keep pharma out of psychedelics. But I just want to hear your perspective, you know, for, for my own benefit, like what's going on with pharmaceuticalization of psychedelics? What is a net positive or an argument in favor of pharma being involved with psychedelics? Yeah, well, you know, anyone out there who has had a psychedelic experience, let's say you've worked with ayahuasca, ibogaine, psilocybin, and you've connected with something that you experience as like the spirit of these incredible compounds. Do you really think that you can remove that spirit, even if it's being delivered through some huge conglomerate that has lots of money and the ability to get this into as many bodies as possible? So from like my spiritual experience, which is you know where I started and my, my life-saving personal experience where I started with psychedelics, I think this is like a sneaky way to get psychedelics to as many people as possible. These pharma guys, they don't even know what they're doing. Like I work with all these people in the pharmaceutical industry. Of course, they've never had a psychedelic experience. They don't understand the consciousness raising aspects of it. So I feel like absolutely let's tap every resource possible. Like you said, the point is reduce suffering in the world. Their point is also increase awareness, raise consciousness. So let's get these psychedelics out as, as many ways and as many avenues as possible. You think there's a way to keep pharma out of this? No, that's not happening. So, you know, because it works and because 
the laws are changing. So they know that, you know, some of their biggest money makers like antidepressants, which don't work, are going to be replaced. This is going to happen. So we may as well have as many of us who have a true good intention for helping people and raising consciousness on the planet involved in that arena to bring it forward in the, the most conscious way possible. That's my philosophy. Yeah, I think so as well. And again, just like you said, like, good luck keeping these people out. So I think, you know, there's a kind of idealistic utopian approach that a lot of people in the psychedelic community have to things. And in my experience, you know, which is, goes back 17 years or so, like, it's not going to change overnight. I, I just think that we have to be open minded, have a sense of humor and, and, you know, be willing to engage and talk to people from other industries and backgrounds that maybe we don't always agree with, but like we should be able to have mature adult conversations to hear their point and hopefully in turn, you know, we'll be able to grow together and find some kind of middle path again. Yes. And I just have to comment on the sense of humor, Dennis. I love everything that you are doing. Like you are the only reason I go on Instagram because we have to make fun of ourselves. I mean, it's a super exciting time. It's a super interesting time to be involved in this industry. That's just a baby that's growing, you know, right now in the beginning. And we got to like have some humility and some humor about it. Thank you very much for that affirmation, Kaya. Now you spoke earlier and maybe the, after the first question, you spoke about 5% of CEOs in the global workforce being women, right? And 19% C-suite. So that's obviously a blind spot in a lot of ways. People are kind of like, kind of, you know, looking the other way. Now my question is, what are some other blind spots you've noticed in the psychedelic movement or in the space? Is that one that's particularly near and dear to you is trying to, you know, bring more women up to leadership positions or more LGBTQ folks into leadership positions or just what are some blind spots? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. Well, in regards to women and diversity, I also have a podcast, so I'm going to plug that a little bit. Uh, my podcast is called Psyched, and you'll find it um, at womeninpsychedelicsnetwork.com. Um, it's on the Women in Psychedelics Network, and I interview women in, in the industry, in the psychedelic world, you know, really trying to elevate these people who are doing incredible work who aren't necessarily always in the spotlight. But, you know, diversity in any industry is extremely important. I'm here in Silicon Valley, which is also extremely male dominated, uh, you know, worked in tech for like 20 years. I'm used to being the only woman in the room. But in the psychedelic industry in particular, uh, when it comes to R&D and development of these new medicines, like it's shocking that clinical trials prior to 1993 weren't required to include women. And in fact, in 1977, they were in, uh, encouraged to not include women because of the you know, risk of pregnancy and birth defects. And so, so many of the medications that are on the market now, the clinical trials that informed how the dosage is given didn't even include research on how medicines affect women. And medicines affect women completely differently. So I think that all types of diversity are really important in clinical trials and in the development of these medicines, because 
women have different hormones. We have different biology. We metabolize differently. Depending on where we are in our cycle, we're going to experience medicines in a different way. So this is the beginning of a new paradigm in medicine. Let's make sure that we are actually creating medicines that treat all of the people who we want to treat. And that means all types of diversity. So I would really like to see that in the, the R&D aspect of this industry please, as well as, you know, of course, executive leadership, because women problem solve differently. We, we think of things that, you know, men aren't necessarily going to think of. So we need women um, at all levels of all companies. You know, you mentioned you had 20 years experience in tech, and all kinds of different projects, as we've discussed. So my next question is, how do you deal with success? I think that's something, you know, I used to play baseball, and that was something our high school baseball coach would impart into us is like okay so you just won the game or you won the championship is this mean we just party forever and no like one of the most difficult things can be dealing with success it's like when you're unknown when it's the odds are against you it's kind of easy but then all of a sudden you're successful you have eyes on you you have a lot of scrutiny and yourself like how do you deal with success that's such an interesting question i never even thought of that i don't even consider myself to be successful i just i don't even think about it i'm just like i'm very mission driven so I, I'm not even paying attention to whatever, if there's scrutiny or anything like that, I haven't noticed. I'm just like, okay, that happened, all right, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. I just keep moving. Um, so, I mean, to me, success is when everyone in the world feels joy and health. So I don't consider that I have achieved success yet. <laughs> Great answer right there. I kind of feel the same way as like you just you you do it because you're called to it and you're driven and that's what you're going to do. So it does. And I kind of approach my comedy that way as I know not everything is going to resonate with everyone. But if I find it joyful and truthful, like that's a great place to operate from. And so, you know, what gets you really excited about the the future of the psychedelic industry? We've talked about, of course, there's going to be growing pains. Of course, there's going to be some controversy. But like, Obviously, a lot of people are really excited about what's happening here. What, what in particular about this space has drawn you to it? And what are you really excited about looking forward over the next couple of years? I mean, what gets me up every day and what what keeps me excited is just the people that this is helping. And like people reach out to me all the time to tell me their incredible stories of healing. Or they reach out to me and ask me, how can I get access to, you know, I've heard about this. I think I need it. I have trauma or my daughter or my cousin or my husband. And then I, I help them find, you know, the right retreat or practitioner. And then they get back to me with these incredible stories. And it's, I mean, I'm sure you've heard them, you know, people that were on the brink of suicide, people that are addicted to heroin, people that have, that are just like at the end of their rope and then they have these psychedelic experiences and they get completely transformed. So I see the amazing potential here for healing on a massive level and that's what gets me excited. It needs to happen in so many different ways from, you know, things like what Psychoceutical is doing with a topical cream that helps people with PTSD without having a psychedelic experience all the way to like retreats where you go and you have a multi-day experience and you bond with a group and you do integration coaching for months after just the whole spectrum. But it's all healing and healing is like what our planet needs more than ever. You know, one in four 
adults are diagnosed with some kind of a mental illness right now, except that, you know, psychedelics offer this incredible opportunity to break that cycle. So that's what gets me going. I'm curious, is this is maybe a good time to shout out some of these women entrepreneurs who are doing game-changing work in the psychedelic space and beyond. So who are some of your mentors? And for the purpose in the context of this question, some female mentors who are, you know, you want to shout out right now? Oh my God, Sherry Rice, amazing female CEO, Anthea. This is so innovative. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest challenges of, well, ketamine is the only psychedelic that's available on the market right now, um, like legal, uh, but it's not covered by insurance. So Sherry started an insurance company and she is going directly to employers who see the benefit of offering ketamine treatment to their employees and sometimes their employees' families that they get increased productivity, they get you know a lot better, happier employees that stick around, uh, and so you know through Anthea, employers can pay for ketamine treatment for their employers, uh, for their employees. So love Sherry, huge fan of Anthea. Um, Najla Guthrie with KGK Sciences, you know, doing clinical trial, amazing, badass CEO. She's been in the nutraceutical industry for like 25 years, transitioned over to psychedelics. She actually started the Women in Psychedelics Network, uh, really making sure that there's diversity and inclusion in clinical trials um, and research work. Oh my gosh, I could go on and on on this list. I mean, there's so many amazing, you know, women who are leading in the psychedelic integration and coaching, like Deanne Adamson with um, Being True to You. It's like an incredible, if you want to train to become an integration coach, which obviously we need like millions of them to support all the people that are going to be going through psychedelic experiences in the years to come. I highly recommend the program that Deanne started like 14 years ago because she's such a pioneer in this field. Uh, Talia Eisenberg, co-founder of Beyond Ibogaine in Cancun, Mexico, cannot recommend that program highly enough. Uh, I send everyone there that I can. It's an incredible program. Ibogaine is my absolute favorite psychedelic. And Talia, whose you know, life was saved when she was addicted to heroin, took her experience with Ibogaine and really, you know, translated that into an ideal treatment program that's just saving so many lives. Um, I could probably talk for the whole rest of the podcast about amazing women, so I might stop there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people are getting the message and saying like, now, especially with technology, with the ability to start a podcast, as both of us have done, like you kind of have a little bit of agency where you can step up and you can kind of hopefully create some of these changes that you want to see. And for me, that's what it's all about with psychedelics is that this idea that we have a lot of agency. And I think, you know, historically, a lot of society was built off of the idea that only certain people get to make decisions. Only certain people get to be in charge. And to a, to a degree now, while that hasn't completely changed, I think we have a lot more agency and autonomy. And it's up to us to kind of step up and and demand the change that we want to see. And I think you're a big change maker. You're doing that. You're demanding that, you know, you're, through the companies that you're founding and through the work that you're doing and the podcasting and the authoring, et cetera. So I'm curious, you know, we've just been over a number of different projects you're involved with. Is there anything that you can share with us 
that you're working on coming out over the next year or so? You know, maybe something you, you can't talk too much about it. I know you've got some MDAs signed probably, but like, what are you working on coming for, you know, the next year or two years that we can look forward to? Well, all right, I'm gonna share just a tiny snippet. I cannot talk about it a lot, um, but this is a film that I'm working on. So, uh, you know, really I'm an entrepreneur, but I consider myself to be a storyteller. That's my passion through my writing. I was a journalist for many years. And I really love telling stories through these documentary films that I've been uh, working on recently. So one thing I'm super excited about, and this is kind of in the realm of psychedelics, but next level is frequency medicine treatments. So um, let me see how I can give you the super short version of this. So, you know, matter isn't real. We are 99.99999% empty space. We are oscillating energy that is really just information. And everything that we interact with has a certain frequency. And so there are treatments that are utilizing frequency without any physical compound that you're putting into your body that can create the same effect that psychedelics have. And these, I you know, consider myself to be a biohacker, so I'm always testing something. And I've been able to test some of these things and they're super mind blowing. Uh, so I'm making a documentary with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton. If any of you know who these folks are, these are like some of the top quantum physicists in the world. And we're looking at how do you change your body? How do you change your health without putting something in your system just by using frequency technologies? So one of them is a patch that you put anywhere on your body, but I like to put it here. I don't have one on today, but this has a crystalline structure embedded in this special sticky adhesive. And inside the crystalline structure is the frequency of psilocybin. So you're putting this patch on and throughout, as soon as it touches the skin for 48 hours, it's releasing this frequency like a battery. Uh, so you're like getting a microdose for the next 48 hours. That's super cool. There's also a place in Santa Monica that I'll plug called the Reality Center, where you can go, you lie on a bed. It, this bed does a bunch of different things to, you know, change your brain waves, and you have a psychedelic experience without consuming anything. So that's the kind of stuff I'd say in the next couple of years to watch for that's sort of next level because yes, it's amazing. The laws are changing. There's medicines coming forward, but ultimately what I want people to know is we don't actually need any of that. Like once we really realize who we are, what we're made of, what we're capable of, there's a whole other level of healing that's actually available to us. Awesome. And I've actually heard one of our mutual friends speak about that on stage, about the frequency-based delivery, which certainly catches one's attention when you hear someone speaking. You know, we're kind of entering the realm of almost science fiction, just like, wow, this is almost reality is stranger than science fiction a lot of the times. So my final question for you today how do you stay grounded? You know, you're all over the place. You're working on a dozen projects at a time. Uh, maybe you're not grounded and you're just really good at fooling us. But like, what are some tangible techniques for people? You know, a lot of people out there realistically, especially right now, are not able to access some of these treatments. You know, they're too expensive. They're too remote. You know, it's something we're working on. Hopefully insurers do start to cover ketamine and hopefully, you know, MDMA does get legalized, et cetera, et cetera. 
But for the here and the now, how do you stay grounded? Yeah. Well, you know, breath is free. And breath work is the ultimate psychedelic work, actually. So um, I definitely recommend the book Breath by James Nestor and incorporating some kind of uh, breathwork practice, which, uh, you know, people, you have to find what practice works for you. People talk about meditation. I'm like not great at meditating, but I do have a morning practice where I will sit and do my gratitudes and do my breath work. I feel like starting the day in with some kind of practice is really helpful. If yoga is your thing, if journaling is your thing, if running is your thing, like whatever your thing is. And I wrote a whole book on the joy plan, which is like about finding your joy and then doing that, you know, it's not that complicated, but you have to find what gets you into that state where you like feel super good and alive and you're like in your flow state and then do that. And then it's kind of like you become limitless. You can do all these different things and you become like the eye of the hurricane. So, you know, in the eye of the hurricane, it's completely still. There's all this stuff swirling around, but in the eye, it's still. So that's my image that I try and hold. And I mean, when I talk to people like Kevin Harrington, I asked him at Canada, like, how many projects are you involved with? And he said, 25. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm involved with 10. So, I mean, I'm not at Kevin Harrington's level yet. So why not? You know, why, like, why limit ourselves to what we're capable of doing if you can find that practice that grounds you. So for me, uh, yeah, breath work and gratitude. Awesome. Kaya Roman of a million different projects and serial entrepreneur, best-selling <laughs> author, podcaster, and psychedelic CEO of the year. Thank you so much for joining us on the Micropreneur podcast. Always a pleasure to see you and I wish you great fortune and your continued pursuit of helping people out there in the world. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate it. And that is a wrap. Thank you for sticking around to the bitter end. It's very sweet of you to commit so thoroughly. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you thought of this episode and please consider checking out the substantial backlog while you're at it. You can reach out to me via email, mycopreneur at gmail.com or hit me on any of the numerous social platforms that I'm currently active on at mycopreneur podcast is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back here next week on the Micopreneur podcast.